working in and through us and as our praise is rising to the Father. May we link together now, hearts, minds, hands, that we may be the people of God for this city, that they may, that they may see Jesus. Thank you for all that you have done here, Lord, for the great history of the Salem Church. And as we stand in this kind of transitionary period between uh, one pastor and the coming of another, Lord, we want to hear from you. We want to pledge ourselves to your kingdom's come and your will to be done. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. With that, you may be seated. As you're being seated, I'm going to have Caleb and his team come up. They're going to, they're going to put some things together over here that I am going to be uh, drawing on in just a minute or two. And as they're coming and getting set up, I would like to invite you to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to read uh, a section that I think is probably familiar to everyone, and they can just kind of hang out. They're going to be fine right where they're at. Ephesians chapter 4, you know, one of the things that, um, that is awfully interesting as we come to the Word of God is the way that God wants to shape our thinking, and He wants to shape our feeling, and He wants to shape our doing. And so we come to God and we say, you know, Lord, um, you know, quite frankly, um, we, we don't have it all together. And we still need the nurture of the Spirit to transform us more and more into the image of Jesus. And that we can do that as we come to his word. Hold on just a second, guys. You guys can actually sit up. You're fine. You're fine. They're, 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 they're stoked about this. And maybe some of you have actually seen this thing. But we'll get, we'll get to it in a minute. And as we come to Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul um, has done something quite interesting. He has created Ephesians much like he created Romans. And that is that he packs a whole lot of theology into the first part of the book, and then he teases out its practicality in the second part of the book. So in Ephesians chapter 4, we're in that second part. Now he's, he's really infused us with some deep theology from chapters 1, 2, and 3. But now he's going to get really, really practical. And, and Paul, I have an affinity for Paul. Um, uh, when I was in English class in school, my teachers used to say to me, run on sentence, run on sentence. And uh, never fix that. In fact, the Lord thought that that was fantastic about me, that I have run on sentences that he gave me a daughter, and she's an English teacher. And she reminds me all the time, run-on sentence. Well, Paul loves run-on sentences. In fact, in chapter 1, remember in chapter 1, from verse 13 to about verse 14, is one long sentence. we got another one. In Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to begin the reading at verse 11, and we're going to read one long sentence. This one only goes to verse 16, so... Let's bring ourselves under the authority of God and his word. And together we're just going to read this. I'll read it out loud. So it was he who gave some to be apostles and some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers. To prepare God's people for the work of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. 
Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, we're going to be known as those who speak the truth in love and we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And I love the church. The only thing that I love more than the church is Jesus who came and died for the church. I have given my life over these last probably 30 odd years to Jesus and to his church And I've seen him work in some phenomenal ways. And so I am really fired up these days about the church. And I'm really fired up about the Salem church. You know, we live in a society today that's always seemingly negative on the church. They're always banging on the church. They're always trying to point out our weaknesses and our conflict and our stuff. Well, you know, yeah, we got that. Doesn't everybody? By the way, anybody here perfect? Please raise your hand. I think we get the idea. We're not perfect. That's why we're here. We're here to get to know him who is perfect, who wants to sum up all things into him who is the head, that is Christ. And so Paul is going to talk to us a little bit in metaphorical terminology about body life, right? And he does this in several places. He does it in Romans chapter 12, he does it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and he does it here in Ephesians 4. As each part is fit together, as it does its work. Paul talks about how we as living stones are joined together and we rise to become the temple of Almighty God. So what I wanted to do this morning is I'm going to give you three words that we're going to talk about. No PowerPoint. No sermon notes. Just three words. You can handle it. I can handle it. The first one's ministry. The second one's unity. And the third one's maturity. Ministry, unity, maturity. Now, how do we achieve all that God has for us? Well, I brought some friends who are going to help me. Caleb is actually a newly ordained elder in the Free Methodist Church. Brendan is the new treasurer for the Oregon Conference of the Free Methodist Church. Jared and Nick, they are my friends, so give them a hand. I need all the friends I can get. But they're going to show us how you and I can be fully joined together as living stones. And so, gentlemen, they've practiced this a little bit. And so if you'll lay back on each other's laps. Yeah, yeah. There you go. No sweat. No sweat. So, you know, oftentimes in the church, we want to bring our individuality in such a way that sometimes we dominate the church. Now, I don't know if you've got a dominating personality, but I know one person in my, in my family that has a dominating personality. And they can, awfully, they can be awfully hard to live with. Not saying who. 
And so every once in a while, that dominant personality, kind of uh, the rest of the family, pulls the rug out from under me. And we're wondering, are we going to survive as a family? Are we going to survive as an entity? Should we go for it? One more time? Let's do it. Nick, you can do this, brother. You can do this. Is everybody comfortable? You see, you see, you and I are living stones and we're fully joined together. And when we join together, we're built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And Jesus is the chief cornerstone. And something marvelous begins to happen that we can rise to become the temple of Almighty God. And Caleb is over here and he's like, can anybody bring me a cup of coffee? Now, isn't this fabulous that when we join together, great things can happen? Okay, now they're getting tired, and they want to go and have a cup of coffee, so I'm going to help them out, and Caleb is hurting over here, and Jared, you did a phenomenal job. Everybody sit up, give them a big hand. Now turn to your neighbor and say, that's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Because you and I, we are the body of Christ. And in the body of Christ, God has gifted the body with certain gifts. Verse 11. What kind of gifts are they? Apostles, pastors, evangelists prophets and teachers. Now, is this all the gifts in the body? No, clearly. 1 Corinthians 12 lists a whole bunch of others. Romans 12 lists a whole bunch of others. Peter is going to list a couple. And the point is that you and I, individually here, we have what I call a piece of the puzzle. Now, if you want to know one other thing about my family life, my family, except for one person, Loves puzzles. But there's one goofball in our family who cannot get it into their head that a puzzle piece gets a certain place. And he's always trying to put that puzzle piece somewhere else. And I can't figure it out. The rest of my family, they're all enjoying themselves. They're putting the puzzle piece together and I'm frustrated. But you and I, we have a piece of the puzzle. You and I have gifts to bring to the body of Christ. Now what I find interesting in this passage, and some of you, maybe, can I just ask? I know Doug served here a long time, so I kind of, I'm under the impression that he's probably taught you about spiritual gifts. And you probably took a class somewhere along the line, and maybe you took a test. Just raise your hands. Oh, you guys are going to help me so much. Do you want to come up here and have a chair? You see, all throughout the scripture, we read about these various gifts. And that not everybody has the same gifting. And, and we've kind of grouped some of these over the years. And, and I remember many, many years ago, we looked at the gifts and we kind of said, okay, it does seem that there are certain gifts that are motivational in kind. Now, Some people are motivated by certain things in the body of Christ. 
like maybe there's some people here who really like truth. And boy, it's, it's God's way or the highway. I was going to say my way or the highway, but, but I'm here to preach about the living God and not myself. And so truth is very, very important, and that's a motivation. Other people are motivated by people who do not know Jesus. And they're like, we got to get on board and we got to reach people. And so there are certain motivational gifts. Then there's a certain what, what we might call ministry gifts, gifts of help, uh, gifts of service, those kinds of things. And then we might call a third category manifestation kinds of gifts. You know, the ones that make us nervous. Tongues, speaking in tongues, miracles, etc. And then a few years ago, a pastor down in California named Rick Warren, he said, you know, it, it seems to him, and I think, I think properly so, that the way God forms us is really about our shape, S-H-A-P-E. Remember, my English is not good. S-H-A-P-E. S stands for our spiritual gift. H stands for our heart. A stands for our abilities. Um, P stands for our, uh, oh boy, I haven't preached in a long time, you guys. Uh, P stands for our personality, and E stands for our experiences. Now, wherever you may find yourself in kind of looking at this holistically, here's one thing I want you to know for sure today, that God has gifted his church with certain gifts, and you have a piece of that puzzle. Now, what I have noticed, more so now as I'm a superintendent, but I noticed this when I served in our churches, and I've served in several, that these primary five typically are in every church that is healthy, functioning well, and growing. That somebody has a kind of apostolic gift that usually manifests itself in a kind of overarching entrepreneurial tendency to manage well. Apostles. There's typically in every church people who so resonate with the truth that they study the scripture, they interpret the scripture, they imply the scripture, and we call them prophets. They're not foretellers, they're foretellers. That in every church there are people in the congregation who have the gift of the evangelist, that they are so motivated by lost people that they're bringing that to the table all the time. Don't you, and, 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 and you always know when you're around evangelists for two reasons. Number one, because they come to us and they say things like, you know, Pastor, today I was weeping for the untold thousands around our, our church campus. Anybody else weeping? That's when you know the evangelist is around. You also know the evangelist is around because he's, he or she is always bringing somebody to your church. Then we get into the two that are really, really common, right? And actually they're seen in the Greek as one. Pastor teachers. Pastor teachers not only function as lead pastors and preachers, but they're the people who are nurturing as a shepherd and also instructing and developing in our church. Now, all I'm trying to say here, I wish I had like 20 weeks with you. We could tease some of these things out. 
What I want you to know is that every one of us here has a gift. Every one of us has a piece to that puzzle. What we're really trying to activate is everybody. Now, I think that if we kind of took a pause and went over here and had coffee at the coffee bar, we could probably talk about Pastor Doug's gifts. They were many, and they were stout. Do you know that God has gifted certain people with management skills of maybe tens or hundreds or thousands? Pastor Doug could manage well, and he was a fantastic pastor teacher. Amen? Now, the next guy, chances of him being a pastor teacher are probably pretty limited. I'm just going to tell you. How many of you have met Pastor Andrew? Great. Has Pastor Andrew ever met a stranger? No! Can I, can I just clue you into one other thing? Is Pastor Andrew a... Is he a party waiting to happen? <laughs> He's a party waiting to happen. And I know this about Andrew, and one of the things that really impressed our team is his love for Christ and his love for lost people, people who do not know the Savior. And so what we're going to be seeing in the coming days, as, a, as we welcome a new pastor in, we are finding now our place in God's puzzle. We are bringing ourselves and saying, God, use us. So the first thing we wanted to kind of get under our belt is the nature of ministry. Now notice that ministry oftentimes points us in a direction of individuality. Meaning, I have this gift. Oh! You ever been around folks like that? They think that just because they have a particular gift in the body of Christ, everybody else ought to have that gift. And, and buddy, if you don't, if your heart isn't breaking for the homeless, then you've got a spiritual problem. You know what I mean? We call that projection, right? We call that bringing our individual peace in order to dominate the whole. Now, Paul does something very interesting in this passage. We didn't get a chance to read it. But if you go back up to verse 4, you'll find that the Apostle Paul is going to tease out seven ones. Well, let's just go look at it. Ephesians 4. He says, there is one body, one spirit, just as you all were called to one hope when you were called, and one Lord, and one faith, and one baptism, and one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. And it seems to me that as we think about this notion of ministry and the Spirit's gifting to the church, that what we're after is not our individuality represented, but rather our unity. That it takes us all. It takes us all functioning at a very high level. And what Paul does, interestingly enough, in this passage and in the book of Ephesians and in all the rest of his writings, he grounds the church on the work of the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit operating in a unity that really is majesty. Do you remember what Jesus said? 
I delight to do my Father's will. Wouldn't that be a nice prayer? Father, whatever your will is, wherever you'd like to take us in the future, I'm up for that. And I got to tell you, multiple times in my life, I was living in places where I was, in southern terminology, I was fine as frog hair. I was just happy. I was such a happy camper. And and, and God would move and say, uh, it's time to end here and time to start again. Fantastic experiences because I said yes. And in each of those times, in each of those places, in each of those environments, I found people who had pieces of the puzzle. And that I could bring my piece of the puzzle and that we could be an essential unity. Do you remember what the psalmist said about unity? How good it is when the people of God dwell together in unity. What's it like? It's like oil, he says. It's like anointing oil running down Aaron's beard. Is that all you got? Give me some kind of sports metaphor. I see Coach Krzyzewski saying five is one, right? What we're talking about, friends, is the ability to lay down our will in order to take up his will. Our ability to lay down our desires so that we can join with one another to do what God desires. And we find that in the Trinity. One of the fascinating things as we, as we kind of delve into Trinitarian theology is the way that each one of the persons of the Trinity, and I know that already freaks us out. Are we talking about three gods? No, we're not. We're talking about one God in three persons. That they all have places that they're involved, and then there are all, they, they are all mutually compatible. They are, in the words of the creed, co-eternal. And they create such beautiful symphony. They create such a beautiful creation where the Father speaks and the Son redeems and the Spirit empowers. And I want you to know something. Before Andrew gets here next week, the living God's already here. And you're here. And we each have a piece of that puzzle. And that what, what we're going to try to do is we're going to try to live in a unity where we understand diversity. We're going to understand a unity where there is a mutuality. We're going to understand how God is fitly joining us together that we might rise to be the very temple of Almighty God. So we talked a little bit about ministry. We talked a little bit about unity. What's the third word? Maturity. Caleb, you've got three children. Uh, you're, you're, you're now an ordained elder in the Free Methodist Church. Of all people, Caleb would know what maturity is. I asked Caleb earlier this morning. I said, do you have a definition of maturity? Three kids ordained elder. He's a happening dude. He said, yes. Maturity is when everyone thinks like me. (laughs) We'll talk later. I owe you. 
That's how a lot of us live our life, isn't it? We live our life with a certain, uh, let's not say us, everybody outside of this building lives their life with a certain arrogance. Oh, what the world would be if everybody thought just like me. Do you know what I have found? I could walk out of here. I think today is going to be a really nice day. Uh, a cloudless sky, and I could guarantee you we could find somebody who would look up at the sky and say, nope, I see a cloud. Don't know where, but I see one. Because we live in that kind of environment, don't we? We live in a diverse America where we try to value one another and each person's opinion is very, very important, and they are. But something happens in the church where our opinions begin to get melded into what's most important. Do you know what? I want you to say this to me. We don't care what you think, Chris. All the pressure's off. You know the only thing we care about? Is to do the will of God. That something happens when we can mutually agree together that the Spirit of God is working. Don't know how it's all going to work itself out. But I know that God is at work, and I know that we are together in this. Caleb asked me the other day, he said, you know, Chris, I know you, 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 you used to do some outdoor stuff. Yes, I did. And we, we chatted a little bit, and, and maybe he wants to take the teens, the youth group, on a whitewater trip. How many of you have been whitewater rafting? Isn't it the most phenomenal experience? I used to be a kayaker. I've been on probably 100 rivers up to class 4. I've actually rafted commercially class 5 plus. I like it. And there's something that happens in the raft when all three oars are going together at the same time. And there is a oneness and a desire to listen to the guide in the back of the boat. Now, every once in a while, I'll go guided with another group. And Joe Smarty Pants is always in our group. Joe Smarty Pants thinks he knows what the river's doing, and he knows how to guide, and he knows how to stroke. And he is just screwing up our boat. We're going down rapids sideways and backwards when we should be going forwards. We're having people jostled around and sometimes swimming because Joe Smarty Pants over here, who knows everything, ain't listening to the guide. There's something that just really struck me this week. Can I, I, I was, I hate to say it like this, but I was studying the Greek. And I want you to notice something. Verse 13. Paul says that we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Now, mature there is a singular noun. Then he goes on in verse 14, if we're mature, we will no longer be infants. That's plural. And I believe that something... Uh, quite dynamic is going on here where maturity desires unity. Where infants desire individuality. 
and it's a world of difference. Now, I got to tell you, I grew up, my, my father was a teacher in our high school, and he was a coach. And so everything was a teaching moment. Oh, my goodness. I got to tell you, my father, I loved him. He was a great guy. He was the captain of every team he ever played on. I was never captain. My father married not just one, but two homecoming queens. I mean, what's up with that? Yeah, different times. <laughs> Thankfully, I only have one wife forever. My point is that in growing up in that environment, he used to point out whether it was a great coach or a great teacher or a great business leader. And he would say things like, watch this person and watch how they change the environment. Watch how, you know, he had a couple of his favorites. They go way, way back, right? He'd say, Chris, watch how John Wooden coaches. Do you know when you show up at John Wooden's practice at UCLA in the days when he was coaching, what was the first lesson? First lesson, how to put on your socks. Because if you put them on incorrectly, they would cause blisters. No other coach in the country taught people how to put on socks. What was the next, what was the next great lesson from John Wooden? Son, after that, he would teach you how to tie your shoes. And then he would teach you how to play the game. I remember listening to Shaquille O'Neal just a few weeks ago as, as I was watching the NBA championship. Shaquille talked about meeting John Wooden when he was a young man in college. And the only thing Wooden said to him in, in his illustrious age of like in his late 80s, he said, Shaquille, you would be so much better if you could make your teammates better. I'm ready to repent. I'm ready to repent and ask God, God, can I be the kind of individual who can sublimate myself under the will of God and find that spiritual unity with one another where out of that we become a mature person, fully functioning, that I can bring my piece of the puzzle, and you know what, my piece of the puzzle may be extraneous, but as you and I know that when you put a puzzle piece when, a, when you put a puzzle together and you're missing one piece, it begins to drive you crazy. <laughs> we need your piece of puzzle. Wherever you may find yourself. Pastor Andrew, he needs your piece of puzzle. The living God, he would like you to apply your piece of the puzzle. Yes, it's hard. Yes, there are some times, especially for those of us who really like truth in black and white, and it's got to be this way, and I was educated under another system, and oh, yeah, I know that. I'm that way. I'm an old dog. You going to teach me new tricks? I said that to Trevor. Trevor and I, we were in Vietnam a couple weeks ago, and he's trying to teach me some new tricks. Here was one trick. Don't drink the water. <laughs> I said, you don't know who I am, dude. I drank a gallon. 
Good thing I live next door to a doctor. (laughs) Trevor, I'm a 55-year-old fat man that's been doing this a long time. I'd like to learn from you. (laughs) So here's what I'd like to do. We learned three things this morning. We learned a little bit about ministry. We learned a little bit about unity. And we scratched the surface at maturity. What I'd like you to do is I'd like you to just kind of form up right now. I know this is weird, but since I'm not from here, it's okay. Uh, Form up in groups of about four or five people to pray. To pray for your church, not for your hangnail. Okay? We pray for our church. We're praying that God would help us, each one of us, find our ministry. That we as a church might be more and more unified in Him, and that as a church we might become mature, attaining the full fullness of Christ Himself, who is our head. So go ahead, I'm going to give you a couple minutes. I know you want to get out, you want to beat the Baptists, I get it. We've got plenty of time. Form up into groups of four or five. Don't talk, pray. No. He's from Portland? Yeah. He's got gray hair. You need to come back. I don't know about that. No, uh-uh, no. But he's a good dude. He's a good dude. What's that? Did you, did you make a group I'm going to lead one in just a minute, but I'll tell you what, I'll be right here with these guys, with Trevor. Trevor's a good dude. And I know that many of you are still praying. Um, I would like to just kind of ask right now if, if Trevor would stand up and just pray a simple prayer for our ministry here at Salem First. Just right where you're at, Trevor. Just shout it out for our ministries.
Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask George, he serves as your delegate and a board member. George, would you please stand up and pray for our unity in the body of Christ here? Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. And then finally, Jesse, would you please stand up and pray over the body of Christ for our maturity? And now if you'll stand, just rise up where you're at. And, uh, and I, I, I know if you'll just kind of link with the person next to you, just kind of link up. Because we're the church of Jesus together, not individually. And I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to be here next week, and I'm going to introduce Pastor Andrew to you. I know Bishop Matt was here two weeks ago, and he introduced Bishop to you, or he introduced Andrew to you. And, and I just want you to just bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to just kind of, again, in, a, in, a, in, the, in the, kind of the, the breath of the Spirit of all of His hopes and desires for you and for your church and for your city and for our world. That, Lord, you would knit us together now, that we might be like living stones joined together. That we might rise to become that temple of Almighty God. We thank you, Lord, for prophets, apostles. Thank you for a great history here at the Salem Church and the things that have been built here. But, Lord, we're about to start a new chapter. And the new chapter has a blank sheet of paper. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, empower. Holy Spirit, help us to be pleasing to the Father as we lift up the Son. In whose name we pray.
all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. With that, you can be dismissed.